This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. The death toll from the large earthquakes that struck parts of Turkey and Syria on Monday passed 11,000 and looks certain to rise further. Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, visited the Turkish provinces worst affected by the disaster. America, China and countries across Asia and Europe sent specialist help to support the rescue efforts. The initial quake's epicentre was near the Turkish city of Gaziantep and had a magnitude of 7.8. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky set off on a rare overseas trip to London to meet Britain's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak and give a speech to Parliament. Britain also said it would train Ukrainian fighter jet pilots and marines. Ukraine desperately wants Western jets, but is yet to receive them. Separately, Denmark, Germany and the Netherlands said they would supply Ukraine with at least 100 restored Leopard 1 tanks. Mr Zelensky is expected to meet EU leaders in Brussels on Thursday. In his State of the Union address, Joe Biden appealed for Republican support for policies that he said would reduce America's debt, aid hardworking families and deal with the threat from China. The prospect of bipartisanship appeared dim, however. Republicans accused the president of obsessing over woke fantasies. Despite rock-bottom approval ratings, Mr Biden is expected soon to announce that he will run for president again in 2024. Microsoft unveiled an AI-enhanced version of its Bing search engine. It is powered by the same technology behind ChatGPT, a chatbot created by OpenAI, a Microsoft-backed startup, and only accommodates a limited number of queries at present. Microsoft's AI investment represents an attempt to win market share in search from Alphabet, the parent company of Google, which has just announced its own AI-powered chatbot, Bard. Jerome Powell, chair of America's Federal Reserve, warned that interest rates may rise higher than markets have anticipated in order to restrain inflation. An unexpectedly strong jobs report last week, Mr Powell said during an event in Washington, underscores the message of caution. On February 1st, the Fed raised rates by a quarter of a percentage point. Thousands attended the funeral prayers of Pervez Musharraf, Pakistan's former president, in Karachi, a city in the south of the country. Mr Musharraf, who died on Sunday, led a coup in 1999 and went on to rule Pakistan for nearly a decade, first as chief executive, then as president. He had lived in Dubai since 2016. LeBron James, an American basketball player, broke a 39-year-old record to become the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Mr. James, who plays for the Los Angeles Lakers, scored 38 points during his team's loss against Oklahoma City Thunder. That took his career tally to 38,390, just above the 38,387 record set by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. The previous top scorer, now 75, was in the stadium to see his record fall. And fact of the day. 15. The average number of earthquakes stronger than magnitude 7 per year. And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. The Northern Ireland Protocol in Court On Wednesday, Britain's Supreme Court will give a ruling whose political implications will outweigh its legal impact. The court will decide if the Northern Ireland Protocol 
the post-Brexit fudge which created a trade border between Britain and Northern Ireland, conflicts with the Act of Union, which created the United Kingdom in 1801. The case was brought by Unionists who opposed the border. It is likely to be rejected. Lower courts in Belfast have previously ruled that the protocol conflicts with the Act of Union, but that it is nevertheless legal because British MPs voted for it. Any ruling against the protocol could be overturned in Westminster. The judgment comes as Britain and the EU are reportedly near a deal to reduce checks on goods moving across the Irish Sea border. The judgment will have no legal impact on the talks, but drawing attention to the protocol as a constitutional issue makes the technical compromise harder to swallow for Northern Ireland's unionists. Sri Lanka's economic crisis continues. Amid an ongoing currency crisis and months after protests ousted a president, Sri Lanka's woes persist. Medicine and fuel are scarce, and power cuts occur daily. On Wednesday, thousands of unionized workers, including doctors and bankers, will strike and protest against a recent increase in income taxes. On the same day, Ranil Rikramensing, the president, who was chosen by parliament after Godabaya Rajapaksa quit, will ambitiously outline his policies for the next 25 years. He has already raised taxes and electricity tariffs, frozen public sector recruitment, and ordered sweeping spending cuts. The reforms are required to secure a $2.9 billion loan from the IMF, which has stalled because China, a major creditor, is yet to offer a debt restructuring plan that will be acceptable to the IMF. And resistance to the painful policies back home is spreading. Mr. Wickramensing lacks public backing to push through the toughest reforms. His coalition is expected to lose in local elections on March 9th. Iger's first quarter back at Disney Three months ago, after Disney's streaming business, Disney Plus, lost $1 billion in a quarter, the entertainment giant fired its chief executive. Bob Iger was brought back from retirement and given two years to turn it around. On Wednesday, Disney will report its latest quarterly earnings, the first with him back in charge. Last year, the firm's market value nearly halved. Seeking to recoup some losses at Disney+, Plus, Mr. Iger raised subscription prices in December. A new Avatar film, which has made more than $2 billion at the box office, and busy theme parks have helped edge the share price up by around 25% this year. Mr. Iger is also reportedly considering licensing more content to competitors. But he is under fire from Nelson Peltz, an activist investor who is demanding a seat on the board and has complained about the firm's creaking balance sheet. Investors will be looking for news of Mr. Iger's plans for ABC, Disney's broadcast network, and ESPN, its sports channel. North Korea puts on a military show. After months of rehearsals, the big day is here. Satellite imagery suggests that North Korean soldiers and civilians have been training for a military parade 
celebrating the 75th anniversary of the founding of the Korean People's Army on Wednesday. Expect marching troops, citizens in formations spelling out slogans, and jets racing across the skies over Pyongyang, the capital. North Korea loves to mark anniversaries, but the parade also signals the country's readiness for war. On Monday, Kim Jong-un, the country's dictator, discussed intensifying its military drills with his generals. That came exactly 60 years after his grandfather, Kim Il-sung, said that each North Korean soldier must be ready to kill 100 enemies. Those perceived enemies are still to the south. South Korea's conservative president, Yoon Suk-yeol, has similarly been talking about creating a deterrent that would strike 100 or 1,000 times harder than any North Korean blow. Koreans on both sides of the border will be hoping that their leaders are just posturing. Trailblazing Kuwaiti Women on Screen The Exchange, an Arabic-language drama about two of the first women working at Kuwait's stock exchange in the 1980s, is released on Netflix on Wednesday. Dressed in vibrant suits with coiffed hair, Munira and Farida take on the boys' club together. Though they are often disregarded, they manage to rise through the ranks. Filmed entirely in Kuwait, the exchange was inspired by pioneering businesswomen that Nadia Ahmad, one of the show's writers, knew growing up. Netflix released its first original Arabic-language series, Jin, in 2019. Since then, it has featured more Arab women on both sides of the camera. Finding Ola, about an Egyptian divorcee, was produced by and starred Hend Sabri, a Tunisian-Egyptian film star. Arab women have often appeared one-dimensional in Western art, portrayed as either oppressed or orientalized. Helping them tell their own stories will change that. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. Please note the way we choose winners has changed. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Wednesday. Which female mathematician is generally regarded as the first to write a computer program? Tuesday. Which 1952 Western stars Gary Cooper as a marshal who must face a gang of killers on his own. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Jules Verne, who was born on this day in 1828. We may brave human laws, but we cannot resist natural ones. That's the world in brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.